0: Hey everybody today we're going to be talking about Abraham Maslow. My name is Carissa Marto and I'm going to be talking about his biography and background and then later on you're going to hear from Ashley Bacon and Melanie Maddox. So who is Abraham Maslow? I mean we've heard of his name before and we kind of understand like who he is. He's a psychologist right? Well, Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist, maybe the best known for his humanistic psychology and for his famous hierarchy of needs, which we're going to delve into later. But what made Abraham Maslow do these things? Why was he a great psychologist and what made him, well, him? So, in his early life, Abraham Maslow was born on April 1st, 1908, in Brooklyn, New York. He grew up in the first of seven children, was born in a Jewish family, and they emigrated from Russia. Maslow later described his early childhood as unhappy and lonely. He spent much of his time in the library immersed in books. This is interesting because he was one of seven children, Yet he felt alone in the world. So, following this, eventually Maslow went into study of law at City College of New York. He married his first cousin, which is really odd. Um, you would think that in his day that it wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't be marrying your first cousin, but hey, to each his own. He later switched to the University of Wisconsin, where he developed an interest in psychology. And his mentor ended up being Harry Harlow. And if you know who Harry Harlow is, he was the one who, who Harry Harlow was the person who, if we know about him, he helped with attachment theory with monkeys, and so he understood that and Maslow used him as a mentor. So, Maslow earned all three of his degrees in psychology from the University of Wisconsin, a bachelor's degree in 1930, a master's degree in 1931, and a doctorate in 1934. So, he earned his master's degree in a year and his doctorate in three. Which is kind of crazy to think of, you know, we have four years for our bachelor's, two, two and a half for our master's, and then, I don't know, like five for a doctorate. And so he finished his education very quickly um, from what we consider. Now... We're going to look at different career and humanistic theories that Abraham Maslow went through. And so Abraham Maslow began teaching. So after he went through college, after he got his doctorate, he started teaching at Brooklyn College in 1937. So that was only three years after he graduated for his, from his doctorate. So he continued to work as a member of the school's faculty until 1951. During this time, he's having Heavily, sorry, influenced by Gestalt psychological psychologist Max Werthenheimer an anthropologist and anthropologist Ruth Benedict, Maslow believed that there were such. exceptional people that began to analyze and take notes on their behavior. So he learned from Harry Harlow, um, Max, and Ruth through and by taking notes and like learning their behavior to see how he were to build onto his theories. So he took he took theories from other people and understood what they were seeing so he could then develop his own theories. Then, fast forward a little bit, during the 1950's, Maslow became one of the founders driving forces behind the school of thought known as humanistic psychology which I won't talk too much in depth about and we'll be talking about that later but he was one of the driving forces and the founders of this. His theories included, so I'm just going to like briefly let you know what they were, hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, and peak experiences. So those were his big overarching themes and theories of his humanistic or humanist movement. So... What were his contributions to psychology? Mm. Who incorporated attachment theory with monkeys? And so he understood that and he was Maslow's mentor. So first, we understand that Maslow went to study law in New York Then he switched over to Wisconsin, and this is where he found his love of psychology. And so at the University of Wisconsin, he earned three degrees in psychology. He earned his bachelor's in 1930, his master's in 1931, and then his doctorate in 1934, which this is kind of crazy because if we think about it today, bachelor's lasts about four years and then masters is two two and a half give or take and then a doctorate's about four years but for him it took a year for masters and then only three more years for a doctorate Um, nowadays that would be considered insane and very nice (laughs) if you could get your doctorate and your masters in four years that'd be wonderful but it is not the case anymore So he got that, and then what he decided to do three years later was to start teaching in Brooklyn College in 1937. So he continued his work um, until 1951, and with that, with this, you know, his teaching and everything, he wanted to incorporate his theories and build off of them, but also he liked learning from other theorists. So he was heavily influenced during this time when he was at Brooklyn College. He was influenced by gestalt psychologist Max Wertheimer and anthropologist Ruth Benedict. So these people influenced his own theories, just like Harlow, and he took notes on their behavior. He took notes on what they did and different theories that they did because he was intrigued by them. And he wanted to also understand theories and research on human potential because he thought humans were able to do better than they do or what is the actual potential that people can reach. He was interested in that. He wanted to delve into that and see what other people knew about. So, following this in the 1950s, Maslow became one of the founders and driving forces behind the school of thought known as humanistic psychology. His theories, including hierarchy of needs and self-actualization and peak experiences, became fundamental subjects in the humanist movement. So, he was the founder of all of those things, which we will get into later on, but those are a lot of things and he wanted to understand what our needs are, what our potentials are and what we can reach, what a person is capable of reaching in their life and what it takes to get to their potential. This was so interesting because at the time Many psychologists focused on aspects of human nature that were considered abnormal. So they looked at more abnormalities, while Maslow shifted and focused on more positive sides of mental health. His interest in human potential, seeking peak experiences and improving mental health by seeking personal growth, had a lasting influence on psychology and a different perspective on people. Even though he only lived until 1970, he had a lasting effect on psychology and people. So we're going to now shift over and Melanie is going to talk about all the different theories and different philosophies that Maslow had in his life and what we kind of understand about him now. Now we're going to shift the podcast over to Melanie, who is going to be talking about different philosophies, ways of thinking, and theories that Maslow had in his life.
1: Abraham Maslow is known for his contribution of positive psychology and humanistic psychology. Maslow started out studying behaviorism, but he did not like the limitations of behaviorism. He believed behaviorism did not focus enough on how humans differ from animals. He also did not like psychoanalysis because he believed it focused too much on the sick half of psychology and not enough on the healthy half. So Maslow came up with his own theory called the hierarchy of needs. His hierarchy is what he is most famous for, and it includes five stages. His five-stage model can be divided into deficiency needs and growth needs. The first four levels are often referred to as deficiency needs, or D needs, and the top level is known as growth, or being needs, also known as B needs. Deficiency needs arise due to deprivation and are said to motivate people when they are unmet. Also the motivation to fulfill such needs will become stronger the longer the duration they are denied. For example. The longer a person goes without food, the more hungry they will become. Maslow initially stated that individuals must satisfy lower-level deficit needs before progressing on to meet higher-level growth needs. However, he later clarified that satisfaction of a need is not an all-or-none phenomenon. He admitted that a need does not need to be met 100% before moving on to the next need. When a deficit need has become more or less satisfied, it will go away, and our activities become habitually directed towards meeting the next set of needs that we have yet to satisfy. However, growth needs continue to be felt and may even become stronger once they have been engaged. Growth needs do not stem from a lack of something, but rather from a desire to grow as a person. Once these Once these growth needs have been reasonably satisfied, one may be able to reach the highest level called self-actualization. At the base of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs pyramid are the physiological needs, which include such things as the need for food, water, air, homeostasis, and sex. Maslow placed these needs at the base of the pyramid because they are essential for survival. These foundational needs must be fulfilled in order to give something for the rest of the pyramid to be built upon. Once the physiological needs have been mostly fulfilled, the safety needs begin to take precedence. These safety needs include work security, protection from danger, health, and well-being. Once the needs at the first two levels of Maslow's hierarchy have been fulfilled, the social needs begin to take greater precedence. These needs are centered on belongingness or a need to form and maintain lasting social connections. These can include relationships with family members, romantic partners, friends, and acquaintances. After the social needs have been addressed, the need to gain esteem and recognition becomes more important. All people have a need to feel appreciated and respected. People like to be recognized for their work and accomplishments, whether these are related to work, school, hobbies, or some other area of life. By gaining recognition for these accomplishments, people gain a sense that they are making important contributions to society. Maslow believed that self-actualization was at the peak of the hierarchy. Self-actualization involves the need to fulfill your total potential and to become the best that you can possibly be. What a man can be, he must be, Maslow summarized. What this entails exactly depends upon what is important to the individual. For an athlete, self-actualization might involve reaching maximum physical condition and athletic ability. For a musician, it might involve achieving a high level of accomplishment with their instrument. It is important to realize that self-actualization is not a destination or an end point. You don't become self-actualized and suddenly just stop growing and changing as a person. Instead, self-actualization is characterized by the actualization tendency or the need to continue becoming better and more self-aware. Every person is capable and has the desire to move up the hierarchy toward a level of self-actualization. Unfortunately, progress is often disrupted by a failure to meet lower level needs. Life experiences, including divorce and a loss of a job, may cause an individual to fluctuate between levels of the hierarchy. Therefore, not everyone will move through the hierarchy in a unidirectional manner, but may move back and forth between the different types of needs. Maslow's hierarchy of needs brought a positive perspective to psychology, and his contributions in theory is still used today. This hierarchy of needs is still used in hospice care, urban planning, development, education, and management.
0: Now we're going to hand the podcast off to Ashley, who is going to expand upon the hierarchy of needs and how Abraham Maslow contributed to psychology and philosophy. So
2: Abraham Maslow was best known for his specific contributions to philosophy and um, psychology. Um, What we're gonna be talking about now is his uh, best known creation, which is the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a theory of um, psychological health predicted on fulfilling natural human needs based on um, an organization type of uh, priority. Um, that ends in like a what he calls self actualization, which is basically the end goal of um, his theory. Uh, Maslow was originally interested in philosophy as an adolescent, but soon switched the focus to, to psychology, uh, which he seemed to feel was more easily uh, applicable to the real world. Um, but it wasn't until World War II that he, um, shifted his focus to human motivation and self-actualization. Uh, Maslow's research interests were driven by personal experience and shared experiences, which helps, uh, us explain his contribution, contributions to humanistic psychology, um, So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a uh, motivational theory in psychology, um, made of a five level model of, uh, human needs. Um, the needs in the lower section of the hierarchy must be satisfied before individuals can reach their higher needs based on, uh, Maslow's theory. Um, so starting from the bottom, uh, the needs are psychological, which he explains as, um, food, water, warmth, rest, things like that um second uh, above that would be safety needs, which is just basic- security um safety in life um those two would be considered uh basic needs, uh, according to his theory uh, above that is belongingness and love needs um intimate relationships, friendships um relationships with um coworkers maybe depending on the age. Um, relationships with parents, things like that. Um, directly above that is uh, esteem needs. So self-esteem needs, which is basically, um, you know, prestige and uh, like a feeling of accomplishment, uh, confidence, things like that. Those two Maslow considered to be psychological needs, um, which happens later on in, um, in growth. Um, and after fulfilling those four, you would reach according to his theory, uh, self-actualization, which is the self-fulfillment need that, um, each person is, uh, thought to reach at a certain point, um, and he bases that off, um, basically achieving one's full potential, um, that includes creative activities, maybe discovering your purpose in life, you know, whatever that may be, um, but that was his theory of um, of self actualization. Basically, the hierarchy of needs, where each individual um, meets one before they get to the other, based on maybe age. Um, specifically, if um, you know a child is born, they reach their psychological needs. They have their safety needs, hopefully. Um, And then when they become teenagers, they kind of get into belongingness and love needs, maybe discovering, starting to discover who they are based on their self-esteem needs. And, you know, if one doesn't exactly reach, you know, the belongingness and love needs, they may not reach the esteem needs, which causes, you know, issues within that person's life um, at a younger age up until the point where they are able, if able, to reach self-actualization, which is ultimately the end goal, according to Maslow. So, on top of that, a uh, a paper written in 1976 um, by A. Waba and Bridwell suggested that um, there was kind of an uncritical acceptance of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just based on the fact that that theory kind of maybe needed to exist. but it needed to be addressed by additional research. Um, Their review of the research available at the time uh, didn't find much support for the accuracy of the hierarchy. So they basically suggested that um, this is a popular theory and um, it seems to be pretty much widespread and and agreed upon, but there is no um, scientific support for the accuracy of the theory. Um, On top of that, in uh, 2010, a team of psychologists uh, attempted to modernize Maslow's hierarchy based on, you know, the fact that it didn't really have much support to begin with. Um, They renovated um, the classic needs pyramid, which was um, published in an issue of Perspectives on Psychological Sciences. Um, In their new order, starting from the bottom, they began with uh, what they would call immediate Physiological needs, which would basically cover Maslow's physiological needs. Um, Above that, uh, instead of safety needs, they stated affiliation and self-protection. Above that, covering belongingness and love needs, um, they stated status and self-esteem needs. Uh, Above that, covering esteem needs, they stated mate acquisition and um, male retention, Uh, And then on top of that, covering self-actualization, they covered parenting. So parenting would take the top spot rather than self-actualization. After this came out, many researchers contributed to the new order, stating that Maslow's needs were more um, understandable in an evolutionary sense rather than um, just what is occurring in a more modern time. Um, the field didn't really want to get rid of the need of self actualization because it was such an important theory. Um, even though it wasn't there, there wasn't much accuracy in, in the support of the theory, it still is an important, uh, topic of discussion that Maslow, um, kind of thought up. Um, so they pretty much agreed that Maslow's needs, Remained. They would remain the um, top discussion in regards to the hierarchy of needs. So that is our um, podcast. That is our discussion of um, Abraham Maslow, um, his background, uh, what got him to the theory of um, psychological health, um, specifically self actualization, and um, what it takes to get there. So thank you for listening. Uh, We hoped you enjoyed. Thank you.